Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is the continuation of our Tribeca Film Festival coverage, and this is our review of Blue Night. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, once again, not sure when this film is coming out, but it will be coming out eventually. But uh, yeah, this is our continued coverage from Tribeca Film Festival. And uh, yeah, it's been, been a fun festival so far. Yeah, been a good one so far. We're playing catch up. So it's we're a few days into the festival already. And we, we have a kind of two movie a day thing going, which I think is probably the maximum number of movies with QAs afterwards that I can take in a day. So <laughs> I'm, feel, I'm feeling good about that decision. Yeah. And there's there's some stuff that's like streaming online that I kind of want to check out. But I'm like, I don't I don't know when. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I... I underestimated the accumulating feeling of watching so many movies in succession because we went to the SF Film Festival right before this. So last week already, it was pretty much every single night we were watching a movie. And then this week, it is one or more movies a day. And by the time I get home at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't need to consume anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've been... I don't want to say pleasantly surprised because I had pretty decent expectations for the Tribeca Festival, but from the films that actually debuted here, like are in competition for the festival, I've I've been pretty pretty excited about them. I, I, I tend to think that most will see the light of day with some distributor, um, which is nice. I, I wasn't sure like what scale the films would be that we would watch, if they would be like tiny things, maybe one of which would find an outlet, or if they'd be the sort of thing that would be premiering pretty soon and i feel like most of these movies will see the light of day this year i'd yeah. be kind of surprised if they don't yeah i mean for me mostly the, the the big pain has been that there doesn't exist a trailer for most of these things <laughs> <laughs> yeah yet so we can't really drop it into the episode and follow the normal format of the show but uh but yeah it has been fun to kind of like pop around the city um and check out these films yeah so uh what do you say we get into this review Stephen? sure all right, so as I just mentioned, Blue Knight does not yet have a trailer, so uh, we're not going to play any trailer audio. We're just going to jump into the review. Um, Blue Knight is the story of a woman who receives some bad news one morning, and it's sort of the story of her traveling around the city, the city being New York, um, and sort of just dealing with this news and how and whether or not she wants to tell anybody about it. <laughs> Stephen Miller, what did you think of Blue Knight? I thought it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> so this film basically lives or dies based on the performance of the central character, Vivian, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, and she is meant to be a former slash current famous jazz singer, meaning she's relatively famous in that one sphere which means no one else knows who she is. Um, She's supposed to be like 15 or 20 years into her career at this point. So kind of at the tail end where she's booking gigs and, you know, she can play Birdland, she can get the occasional international tour, but nothing, nothing insane, right? No Carnegie Hall. And this is kind of the movie of her walking around the city. I I, I don't know how spoilery we're allowed to get or not get, but I'll, I'll just say... An interesting Are you about places she walks to. Or no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about the uh, the 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 context of the movie and the thing that makes this one day like have higher stakes than maybe a normal day would. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I teased at the beginning that she mm-hmm. receives some bad news. Yeah. People can assume what that is. I think that the news itself is less important to the to the overall story of the film than just her experience of living in 
this moment. I mean, well, so uh, we can get into it in a second. I, I would argue that there are at least a few of the more powerful interactions in this movie have to do with the precise nature of the news and what it's making her think about the future, right? What, what it makes her think about how her career will look one or more year from now, yeah. uh, if you will. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think the, this movie is definitely very, quote, independent. Like, it, it was filmed on a shoestring budget with a very rushed schedule, uh, as the director, uh, Fabian Constant, uh, elaborated in the Q&A. And you can definitely feel that in this movie. There are, there's a, a style to it that seems a little bit chaotic. Um, kind of like... I mentioned in Tolly there are some editing tricks that make her day in day out life look like a repeated series of percussion, right? Like it's like noise cut, noise cut, noise cut. Um, yeah. And th this movie treats New York City that way, where there's a lot of moments of Sarah Jessica Parker just kind of hurrying down the street, maybe feeling a headache, feeling a migraine, feeling overwhelmed, and the sounds of the city just kind of like collide into each other in quick cuts. And I thought this movie was pretty good at building the ambient feeling of a city that is very 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 uh aggravating and stressful when you need a moment of solitude and this movie is kind of her finding her place of solitude um one thing it reminded me of a little bit is not just from the name is born to be blue the movie that came out uh two years ago uh also about a jazz performer um, and what both of those movies had in common is there's a scene in the middle amid all the chaos where they get on stage and start performing and the lights change color, the music amps up in a way that could not possibly be what the music in the actual place that they are singing in sounded like. And they just kind of have this moment of solitude. Um, I thought this movie nailed that. And in general, it nailed some of the interpersonal relationships, but it was also pretty rough also um yeah i don't know I'm, I'm i'm curious to hear your thoughts to me this was like a rough but interesting independent film yeah i think that uh that's probably the best way to describe it um i this is a film that i think was sort of elevated by the q a in a way <laughs> um partly because the 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 filmmaker is just a very very earnest person who was like, I really wanted to do this and try this. And I, I did that. And I was happy with it. Like his excitement over the city and over Sarah Jessica Parker, like it sort of explained his choices of different things in the film. And I just, it sort of just made me like, it made me appreciate the work he put into making the film. Um, and it sort of, I think it, it explained away the shortcomings maybe of, of what I think the film lacks. Um, this is, this is a film that like takes place over a 24 hour period where somebody is trying to figure out how to deal with news they just received. And it's, it's not a film that is commenting on that news itself. It's simply showing the moments while somebody tries to process in the middle of like not being able to just take an extra day to process news. Right. It's like, it's like, Oh, I snuck out to go get news in the morning and now I have a whole day planned. Mm -hmm. I still have to do all those things. All the normal annoyances of life still exist. Um, I still have the same relationships that I had with everybody else an hour ago. But now I have to go about my daily routine um, while thinking about this. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I think that 
it's it's not a film that you're going to walk away and go like, man, that really like I really feel this way about this moment. It's just a thing where you kind of it's, it's just it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's sort of, I think, the extent to what this film does. There was um, I, I was less sort of on board with the stylistic stuff of the way it presents the story and like the way the music is like overpowerful sometimes and like subdued other times. It was sort of like I was kind of like, mm, what's going on here? Like, I don't know why we're trying to tell the story this way. And I think once again, like listening to the Q&A, it sort of I, I see what he was trying to do. Um, it was just this is a film that I appreciate, but didn't nest, like it didn't really stick with me when I left. It was just like I I I didn't not enjoy my time with it. It's just one that I don't know if I'll return to uh thinky wise (laughs) if that makes sense so a a few things that i think the movie did do very well um a a reasonable portion of the movie is devoted to sarah jessica parker's relationship with her daughter and ex-husband um so there are a few scenes of her kind of interacting with those characters and i thought that relationship was painted pretty well like it doesn't give you too much of them actually having conversations but it gives you just enough to kind of get get the sketch of what her life looked like and what her like what her pros and cons are like the in the way that she interacts with people um i thought her relationship with the ex-husband in particular there are like a few moments of them having conversations at least one of which is an argument that feels like inappropriately timed that i i thought it like says a lot about a long-lasting relationship that ended in divorce um with shorthand that that felt pretty authentic to me yeah i mean i i i totally agree like those moments are great but i think that overall the film the film to me some of those moments are undercut by things that don't make sense to me like for instance there there so uh sarah jessica parker's character has this daughter that you've mentioned she's 16 years old um in the story uh right she's supposed to be 16 yeah yeah she like Sarah Jessica Parker and this daughter have different physicality, right? They're <laughs> many years apart in mm-hmm. in life, in height, in size. Like, they're very different people. Um, earlier on in this film, Sarah Jessica Parker goes to a dress shop, sees this dress she loves, and like is like, I'm going to buy this. And during one of these moments where she's talking with the daughter, she's like, I bought this for you. And there's things like that in the story where it's like, I like I get that you want to have this like emotional transference of like some sort of gift that's happening between these two characters in this moment because the daughter doesn't know what the news is. But I feel like it doesn't make sense that you would just take a dress that clearly is not going to fit your daughter and give her this thing as a gift, which is like it. Th- there's things like that, like kind of littered throughout this film, um, just like interactions with her, like Uber driver that don't seem to make sense. Like, yeah, so that is one thing. I, the, the film is kind of framed around her relationship with this Uber or Lyft driver that recurs throughout the story. He's, yeah. He is kind of the... Um, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the name of the Lost in Translation character that Bill Murray plays, but he's, he's kind of like the person who is just silent and also living in this busy city at night who is having this kind of wordless interaction with her. Yeah. Uh, and slowly they they form a bond based on very little except for the fact that they both just happen to be having a rather chaotic day and and and, and i like i like this character Mm -hmm. 
I like the interaction with him and Sarah Jessica Parker. I, I love that he, that, that element exists in this story. I just think little interactions with like weird expectations of, of just like, oh, I haven't actually called you, but you just delivered a dress. Can you take me someplace? Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, he doesn't seem to understand what, how the service he is playing a character in works, right? <laughs> like it, it just, there are things that are, are just there to push the story forward, but like break the universe that I'm watching where I'm like, this is just, this is unrealistic yeah. expectations of how society behaves. And it's, it's just one of those things where it's like that lessened for me what the film was trying to do and made me kind of like get taken out a moment. The Like if I stand back and watch everything and just look at the experience of watching this film, I, I, I like it. I enjoy <clears> it a lot. Um, and I'm glad I watched it. It's just that there are enough little things that I can't explain away that just, it sort of just knocks it down a peg for me in a way that left me a little bit disappointed because it, this, this could be a film that makes a lot of profound statements and I don't think you have to make profound statements, but it feels like it wants to at yeah, moments. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then because you're doing some unprofound work in between all of these moments that you're attempting to make profound, it just sort of left me wanting more from mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the, the director mentioned he was obviously inspired by the French New Wave cinema. And it's weird because French New Wave is kind of all about cool, understated slice of life. Uh, filmography and whatever you say about this movie like it has little bits of understatement but for the most part it is definitely very intently trying to say something yeah like yeah. it has big dramatic moments and i was going to say there are two characters in this movie that i think initially are pretty weak characters and they get better as the movie goes along uh the lift or uber driver is one of those characters his, yeah. his first interaction with sarah jessica parker a, like you said, tells me that the director has no idea how Uber works yeah, yeah. because no no driver would ever behave the way that he is behaving in a situation where you have a star system. Yeah, I mean, even outside of the star system, he would not like... There are... People get added to your queue. You don't mm -hmm. have the option to just like sit around and wait for a while or do like there's just a bunch yeah. of things that were sort yeah, of so, just so i feel like this movie was meant to be a taxi driver and they just decided like oh we're gonna update this to the 21st century but yeah, yeah there was no good good reason behind that decision uh his interactions at the beginning felt kind of slapsticky almost like this is my like bit about the way cab drivers in new york act right he's yelling on the phone he's blasting music too loud he's being a little bit rude um but then he really like softens over the course of the movie into having a relationship with her that I liked a lot. Like it, it felt like it got more mature and more realistic as the film went along. So can I ask you a question? I'll, I'll try to be as as not spoilery as possible. But do you feel like that building relationship is undercut by Common's appearance at the end of the film? I feel like the I think every movie is undercut <laughs> by Common's appearance at the end of the film. True, um, but no, I I just feel that like. In that moment where she's like, oh, I can't drink this coffee, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then Common walks out, it, I feel like that transference does something strange that undercuts like this moment of bonding that's taking place. I think I was fine with that moment because I think the statement it's making is that 
we we aren't looking for grand relationships or grand dramatic arcs. We're just looking for other people to help us pass the time, right? Yeah. Other people to just help carry the baton for a few hours. And I think that is what the movie was trying to do. So I, I, I thought that was an interesting way to end it. I didn't mind that. Uh, the second character that I think starts off bad and gets better over the course of the movie is the mother character. Uh, so she's played by Jacqueline Bisset, who is a famous French actress from like the 60s. Um, and she comes across as having been from another movie, basically, when, when she's first introduced here. She's the yeah. mother visiting from France. A, I don't for a minute believe Sarah Jessica Parker is, like, a native of France who moved here in childhood. Like, just nothing about her screams that to me in this movie. Um, but even setting that aside, the mother is speaking almost exclusively in French. She's being very kind of over the top and clearly has a lot of expectations that she's weighing on her character. And that also felt very shorthandy. That felt like, I want to tell you that this is the relationship with the mother, so I'm going to give you a kind of over-the-top argument that would never occur in this span of time. Um, I don't think we see her a lot, but for some reason, my image of her also softened throughout the movie. Like, uh, their relationship started to crystallize more. And I, I felt like there were all these things where there were bullet points of character dynamics that the director wanted to get at, and he, like didn't have enough time or room to do it in a gentle way. So they always like have a, have a grand entrance that is like over the top and then you can sit with them for a while and we don't return to it. Uh, even her relationship with her uh, ex-husband and daughter felt that way. Like the moment she talks to them, it feels like all of our history is very much text in a way that it wouldn't be in like a two minute exchange over dinner. Yeah. But then when we return to them later, it feels more slice of life. So I, I don't know. There's a weird pattern to the movie where it, it's like a grand intro. Now that we've got all that out of the way, we can like sit back and let it be a well thought out movie again. Yeah. So did you think New York city was a character in this movie? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is definitely one of those movies where that cliche was invented for. Like, it's obviously like mostly about New York and living yeah, in New yeah. York and fetishizing over the different buildings and neighborhoods. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny when the director was just saying that. Like, I wanted to make this movie about New York, and the most New York person I could think of was Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I, I want to say, I actually think she did really well here. Um, between this and the HBO show Divorce, which I also like a lot, I feel like she's having a pretty good comeback as like taking ownership of the fact that she isn't the Sex and the City version of Sarah Jessica Parker anymore and playing this more like tired, wistful, uh, you know, middle-aged woman who is trying to get her life together. But I, I don't know, she has a nice like... She has a sadness that I like a lot more than the kind of sassy confidence that you would have expected from her maybe like five or ten years ago in a role. So I, I thought she played it well. We were making jokes about other actresses that like maybe they wanted for this role or maybe would have played it better. But I actually think she was a she was a really good vehicle for this particular story. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously she she did a fantastic job in the film. Mm -hmm. I think there was just everything from like the hair the hairstyle they gave her to like some like this film deals with a lot of reflections and sometimes you look at the reflection um you just immediately think of another actress <laughs> who you're like but but it's funny i mean because once again going back to what the director said during the q and like he always wanted her right like so it, it doesn't feel like they didn't have enough money to get somebody else it felt like that's who he wanted but it's just funny in my head where i was just picturing like somebody else mm -hmm. but um but that does i can't that's not a fault of the film that's just yeah. a, a 
a thing that I do to associate people um, who One, could have played a role about an older woman who is reflecting upon her life. <laughs> so one one more note, which again is going to be hard without spoilers, but there was a line that landed pretty hard with me toward the middle or end of the film. It's a conversation she's having with uh, Renee Zellweger, who plays like a, a friend from maybe five years earlier that she hadn't seen in a while. And Renee is stressing about her life and different kind of work-related decisions and things she's put off. And then the conversation ends with that cliche of like, oh, well, there's, there's always more time. And that it sounds like a cliche conversation. I'm sure I'm revealing something even by mentioning it, but the subtext of this movie is obvious enough. Um, but something about like thinking about the literal, the feeling you would have where all of these normal interactions about Carnegie Hall can wait or this tour can be moved to a different date. I, I never really thought about like how, how that would change just in like a single day if you got some bit of news or something that recast your life. So I, yeah. I thought those were like nice and understated. They didn't overdo it with the reaction shot or anything. They kept it pretty, pretty grounded. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't remember being, it, once again, like I don't remember being particularly hit by that moment of dialogue, but it's a thing that like I'm already sort of on board with, with the film in general. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not like a, I don't know. I, maybe I just wasn't, I wasn't as deep, as deep in the weeds as you were. <laughs> it was 420. So I was <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, any, any last comments about the film? No, nope. I think that's it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into our verdicts then. Steven, if you were going to give this a must see, a rep under the caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat or a must avoid, what would you give it? This is one of those things where I think my totally genuine answer would be a rental. This is definitely a small film festival type of movie. This isn't one of those things that I alluded to earlier that I think will be like a sensation or anything like that when it hits the big screen. I have no idea how this is going to be distributed, but I think it is a nice movie. It, I'm a sucker for these kind of things that take place over the course of one day, you know, the, the link letter style of movie. And this is nowhere near that good, but I do think it has interesting things to say. So I, I liked it. I was glad I watched it. Yeah. I, I for, for me, it, it is just, I'm just going to squarely put it in that way frontal category. Um, I, I like the film enough. Um, I don't think it's as grand as it maybe could be. This is the type of film that if there were literal real life subtext for the character, like the role these characters were playing. And like, if this was a very personal film about like a real situation, um, which who, who knows? I don't, <laughs> I think, I mean, the director talked about his past himself a mm -hmm. little bit. Um, but I think that like, this is a film that would definitely be elevated if it was, a very like if Sarah Jessica Parker was making this film because of truth behind it, like that would it would add maybe a level of significance that I was missing from the story if I had that prior knowledge going in. Um, but I think it's it's just a film that you watch. It's it's just a nice film that does some interesting things with some character moments. Um, but I think I it feels like maybe it's missing a meta commentary that <laughs> that the film doesn't appear to have. Um, I, I will definitely say this 
my opinion of this film was bumped down by the presence of other films at Tribeca that we are going to review shortly. Yeah. Um, I think mine, it didn't change because I had already had it down a little bit. (laughs) But um, but yeah, so I think uh, that'll do it for our review of Blue Knight. Steven, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? They can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast at spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do that in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Um, music for this episode will uh, likely just be from various promo things <laughs> from the Tribeca Film Festival. Um, I don't know if that song is actually available. There's definitely a cover she sings at the end that if the cover isn't available, the song she's covering is. We can, we can find sure. something. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, so that is the review. We have to go take off and record a few more reviews of a few more other films. So. And then watch two more movies today. <laughs> and, then, and then shower and then watch two more movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, we will see you guys in the next review. Bye. Bye.